0: Hello, this is Annie Catherine, host of the multi-award-winning podcast, Soulful Series. Thank you for joining me as I chat with award-winning authors who have written a memoir or nonfiction motivational book and have an uplifting message to share. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Sharon Duquette. She is an award-winning author who has been a computer programmer, project manager, and deputy director in state government her debut memoir, No Rules, she writes about her journey of awakening of feminism and discovering her own strength after running away from home to join the hippies in 1971. Thank you so much, Sharon, for joining me. Thank you, Annie,
1: for inviting me to be here today.
0: You know, your memoir is so beautifully written, and I'm just going to dive right in and let's start talking about it. So go ahead and tell us why you wrote your memoir.
1: Okay, it it began um, way back in 1980 um, when I was seeing a therapist about some issues that I was dealing with. And she said, you know, how do you get deep into your thoughts? How do you bring back your memories? I said, I write. That was always been my thing. Um, So I started writing about this time period. And and as I got more into it, um, it evolved into something else. Uh, I really wanted to... Um, things were changing a lot in my life and I wanted to capture those moments and those people and those places because it was all going away in a lot of ways. So, um, so that's how it got going. Uh, And then I wrote, you know, I put it aside for a number of years. I brought it back when I got a personal computer in the nineties and started putting on the computer because the original one was on lined paper and, uh, and it went from there. So, yeah.
0: Oh, great. So tell us how you chose the title, No Rules.
1: No Rules has a double meaning. Um, First of all, it has to do with when I first left home, I was fleeing from my parents' rules because they were very strict. And I thought, wow, this is great. I'll I'll live my life the way I want to. Nobody will be telling me what to do. Um, And that was the idea behind No Rules. But what I discovered um, over the course of the next few years was that the rules that were really affecting my life weren't my parents' rules. They were the rules that were coming from society um, about what a woman could and could not do in her life. And as a result of that, um, that's the second meaning.
0: Yeah, well, (laughs) I agree with you on that. (laughs) So go ahead and tell us about the cover, it's so pretty.
1: Uh, the cover was designed um, by uh, She Writes Press um, when I published with them, and um, they gave me a choice of covers based on uh, what they knew about the book, what I described to them about the book. And I described the book as being colorful, uh, and that's exactly what they gave me, a colorful cover. Um, I've had tons of great feedback on the cover, and I really love it.
0: I, I love it too. It's eye-catching, very eye-catching. So- Let's talk about when you left home at 16. Um, how were you feeling at the time? And when you set out on your own, were you scared?
1: Um, I wasn't scared because I was with my older sister and um, I was excited. I mean, I was a little scared at first about, well, what if we get caught? What if we get pulled over by the police? What will happen then? And, and that sort of thing. But um, once, once we got to California, it was just like a big adventure. Um, And even along the way, uh, it was just like, I was just enjoying having this huge new adventure. So for a while. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And I I don't know, I would think at 16, you'd think, oh, I'm invincible. I felt like that in my life at times too. (laughs) So now what struck me as was not knowing where maybe your next meal was coming from. Like, how did you, how did you feel about you know, just, you know, bracing life and then not knowing how, how it was going to turn out.
1: Yeah, well, that hit me more a little bit later in this story. Um, when, I, like I said, at the beginning, I was with my older sister, she had money, yes. <laughs> not a lot of money, but <laughs> she had some money saved up. So um, we were able to get an apartment right away. And, um, you know, all that sort of thing. What? when it first really hit me, there's a scene where my sister, um, ends up in the hospital for a while, mm-hmm. and during that period of time, I had no money at all, and, but we did, I did have some friends, um, uh, in the, both in the apartment building where we lived, and around that area, from um, and people who were used to living on nothing, <laughs> so, um, if that part was kind of scary when that first happened, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, I was a little bit panicked, and, and my landlord was knocking on the door saying, where's the rent, where's the rent, and my sister had the rent in the bank, but I didn't know how to get the money out of the bank, I had no ID, and, you know, nothing like that, so, um, you know, I thought, oh, what if she throw, you know, and I'm telling her, my sister's in the hospital, but they, um, that was pretty scary, yeah, that I thought is- they'd throw us out on the street.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, that is scary, so, You didn't know where your next meal was going to come from. And then at some point you didn't know where you were going to live.
1: Right. Yes. Um, And yeah, in the future, um, and and during some of my moving around and travels and stuff like that, um, I kind of just felt like, well, something will come up. And that's kind of like what usually happened. Yes. Uh, but it did get, it did get to be stressful after a while.
0: Mm-hmm. It's hard when you're in the thick of it to think that everything's going to turn out okay. So I th- I think that's just human nature. Yeah. Um. So talk about living in a commune. This, this is all new to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, here's how I always like to describe it that I think helps. Um, if you think about how difficult it can be, to live with one person that you deeply love. Um, Think about how it is to live with a bunch of people, some of whom you don't even like. (laughs) And that pretty much will sum up what it's like to live on a commune. Um, Certainly at times everybody was very close to one another and and deeply connected and and things like that. But there were other times when um, certain people had their own agendas and their own separate ways of doing things that didn't jive with everybody else's so um and we almost like sort of separated into groups there were small groups but you know we we had really two clicks (laughs) you you know how that kind of forms (laughs) and and um even though we were just a small group of people um and then there was like couple people that were sort of neither here nor there, but, um, but overall, um, most of the time it worked. Most of the time, it was really enjoyable to have these people in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, we learned so much from one another because we all came from such different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Um, that was one of the things I think that was very unique in the seventies is that, and during that whole hippie era, is that people mixed together. And you didn't necessarily have to be from the same kind of um, background. Some people were from the city. Some people were, um, you know, some people uh, had gone to college. Some people had not. Some people, uh, one person had been an army brat and had lived all over the world. Um, We had a very unique uh, group of people from everywhere. And when I went around to, when we went around to some of the other communes, of which there were a number in that area at that time, uh, we would experience the same thing. Um, and so everybody brought their different experiences to the table and shared them. And we learned so much. Um, there was one person who had lived uh, and, and been doing meditation and so forth all over, all over Asia. Um, and uh, I think that just, we, we grew so much because of that because mm-hmm. of that blending of minds and of course you had no internet so it's not like you could just get online and learn these things yeah. <laughs> so you had experience um, them yeah yeah so that's that's a huge a huge difference so you learn them from person to person to person and just talking with with yes. others
0: yes imagine that you don't have the internet <laughs> <laughs> that's all fascinating
1: so the thing that I thought was very interesting about that too is that we because we were in groups of people we meet other people around that whole area and everybody was experimenting with building different kinds of homes we lived in yurts but there were people who we visited a house one time where he had made his entire house out of ammo boxes
0: gosh how creative yeah
1: so it was um quite interesting.
0: (laughs) That is interesting. So let's talk about how long it took you to write your memoir.
1: Yeah, a long time. Um, Way more than I recommend most people write a book, um, (laughs) including myself. But I think because uh, at the beginning, I really, you know, didn't know that much about writing. And um, I went to a lot of classes during the night. Well, first, of course, I wrote everything on paper. That didn't last too long. But once I got a personal computer, uh, I started writing again. And then I started seeking out classes where I could go to. And um, back then, I mean, you didn't have memoir classes. And, you know, you'd have to buy a magazine and, like, hunt through it and hope to find, you know, somebody talking about some classes you could go to. Um, these things weren't easy to hunt down. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't find anything in my state of Connecticut. So I think the first ones I started going to were in the, um, we in upstate New York. And then, uh, I went to, um, one in Iowa, the Iowa Summer Writers Conference, um, and, uh, all these, these different kinds of, of places. And they were all really helpful. Um, I learned so much and I connected with other people. Um, I joined a writer's group as a result of um, going to the International Women's Writing Guild Conference. And as a result of that, that really helped a lot. So I wrote extensively throughout the 90s and the early 2000s. And then um, I put it down for a while thinking it would just be a little while and it ended up being 17 years. <laughs> So I picked it up again in 2017. I had 170,000 word draft um, and no ending. So I found an online class that I joined uh, for six months, um, taught by Brooke Warner and Linda Jo Myers. And I joined that class and that really helped me solidify it and edit it and get it to where it is today.
0: Yeah, it's, it's beautifully written and it flows nicely. So it, it paid off for you to <laughs> take a memoir class.
1: It very much did.
0: So what was the hardest part of writing the memoir?
1: Um, I think one of the things that was difficult was trying to, because of course I know what, what happens after, um, is trying to write about people some people that I really came to dislike or even despise and try to recapture the innocence of when I first admired them, first loved them, first thought they were wonderful. Um, and, and trying to get that that back, that emotion, and innocence really. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and remember and put the rest of it out of my mind so I could actually feel that and, yes. and share that.
0: That, <laughs> that is interesting. That is difficult to do because you already have your mind made up, but yeah. now you have to go back to the beginning.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. I never thought of it that way. That's mm-hmm. interesting. So, um, what do you want readers to take away from your memoir?
1: Um, I want readers to see, there's, there's a couple of things. Um, I want readers, though, mostly to see how, um, you know, what women went through during that time, how things changed for them and, um, how they can find their own strength even now and, um, and within themselves and how the movement of feminism, even though it's changed so much today than it was back then, but how that period of time really impacted the way women live today and really changed our whole society in ways that we never expected, um, So I I wanted to share the beginning of that and how that felt to be evolving um, while that was going on. And we were all learning that for the first time. So it's a very
0: important part of history. And I really applaud you for documenting it and paving the way, really, for us, for me.
1: (laughs) And the other thing I wanted to do, too, is I wanted to give an honest look at that era um sometimes it's either glamorized or trivialized where you know people kind of see it as a a silly time um and it really was a lot more than that and i wanted to convey that as well
0: well you did a great job i learned a lot about that era well from reading your book
1: so
0: um so let's talk about what you're doing now
1: okay well now i have i have written uh, the first draft of a thriller that I completed this summer. Um, now revising and editing and all of that kind of thing and hoping to send it off to an editor fairly soon. Um, it is a thriller about uh, corruption. I'm still working on my, on my log line here. Um, but it's about climate corruption and betrayal. And one woman struggled to find and free her husband who disappeared after being arrested protesting on the steps of the Capitol in Washington.
0: Wow, I would read that. That sounds intriguing.
1: (laughs) So I'm hoping to get that done um, and out there sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, it's not gonna take as long as your memoir.
1: (laughs) No, no, absolutely cannot. I've been working on it for about two years now, so.
0: Great, so go ahead and tell us um, where people can find No Rules.
1: Uh, no Rules is available um, pretty much in any bookstore. Uh, you can order it uh, if they don't have it on the shelves. Uh, they, um, it's available through wide distribution. Uh, it's on all of the online platforms and it comes in both paperback, well, actually, now three ways paperback, ebook, and audiobook.
0: Oh, um, an audiobook. Great. It's an
1: audiobook now, too, which I love. And when I first listened to the audiobook, it was like hearing a someone else's brand new book <laughs> it was yeah. such a great experience listening to it um, but yeah it's in all those three formats and you can get it on any of the platforms um, that sell those um internationally as well as nationally so okay
0: yeah, did yeah. you narrate the audiobook or no
1: i did not narrate the audiobook it was a, okay. a professional voice act. so okay and i think she did a really good job
0: good Well, thank you so much for joining me this morning.
1: (laughs) Thank you for for having me here. I very much enjoyed talking to you.
0: You too. Thank you for listening. Soulful Series is hosted by me, Annie Catherine. Soulful Series is a Vienna Studios production produced by Vanessa Ferlano. Music by Vanessa Ferlano. Catch you next time. Part of the ACAST community.